Welcome to the Learn Perform Mixtape. I'm your host for this podcast, Laura Pasquini. I created this podcast to prepare me and maybe you for the Certified Professional Learning and Performance Exam, the CPLP. These series of podcasts will be my open study notes. Welcome to the learning. In this episode, I'm going to be your guide on the side or facilitator in the pod for this topic, facilitation methods. It's 1.7 in the areas of expertise for the CPLP, still studying here for the Learn Perform Mixtape. So we're going to talk a little bit about how do you support learners in acquiring skills and knowledge and attitudes to perform on the job. We're going to talk a little bit about what that means. Uh, Some learning objectives for this section is specifically looking at explaining the differences between training and process facilitation. We'll identify how facilitators assist in team development, list some skills associated with facilitation, summarize different tools that moves teams from startup to productivity, We're going to listen questioning techniques, steps in effective meeting process, and explain the purpose of process mapping. We'll also talk a little bit about improvement methods and the process for that, and reasons why teams often have difficulty with a problem. We'll get into how to get through decision-making methods with teams and describing the goal and process of nominal group techniques as a facilitation tool. So, interesting fun fact. Facile is a French, and the translation for that is quick and simple. It's effortless and light. So facile is where facilitator comes from. A facilitator we know is someone who guides a group. Now, in the section of performance improvement, we're going to define what this kind of facilitation looks like and what this means. So there'll be two types of facilitation that we're going to talk about. One's training and one's about process. So the bulk of this chapter is around process because you're getting people to go through an improvement or come to a solution or agreement. So let's define what training facilitation is. This is where the customer or the is the learner of the knowledge and skills. The practitioner, the one who's facilitating, is very flexible and is there to support the learner to ensure that they understand it and there's an improvement in the workplace. There might be design objectives usually predetermined, but that's not to say that there aren't process discussions you want to define and measure in a quantitative way either. As this is in part part of the performance improvement section, we're going to talk more about the process facilitation. So this is when the customer, those employees, performers, team members in the organization uh, needs to learn a new process. The practitioner, the facilitator in this role, often is there to guide that and support the teams by coaching them and getting any of the employees and teams to integrate uh, tools for learning and coordinating how this improvement will be developed. Engaging the customers in creating the design and the objectives to produce produce results, and that includes whatever solution or agreement they come to, and then relate the tasks needed to lead a productive and impartial meeting. That's that decision-making or problem-solving. So they'll be the ones that guide this group through that process, and this is process facilitation. So Those that do process facilitation are often responsible for the team or group they're working with and the organization they're supported. So it's kind of like a tension between the two. They're there to go through that process for the goals of the organization by coaching the team in processes, roles, procedures, policies, and goals. They often will attend meetings as needed to provide feedback to the team leader and members. They'll act as a consultant to the team leader often and give them input to what they think and see and hear in the group. And they'll monitor those team dynamics. So they might diagnose problems, they might recommend appropriate solutions, and they often will encourage team 
team building and facilitating the development of the team further. So getting that group bonded a bit more. The three skills to successfully managing and facilitating with a team. So facilitation management is to how to handle dysfunctional team members, how to use tools that facilitate team development, and how to use storytelling. So let's dive into those three. When you get any group together, you really want to get them bonded. And you want to avoid the first thing is conflict, right? So managing conflicts in a group. The first section in the CPLP study guide I'm looking at talked a little bit around where conflict impacts and how it comes to challenge the group, specifically around dysfunctional team members. Sadly, you probably have witnessed this before. They give examples of uh, different dimensions of behavior um, specifically created by Thomas and Klingman and their conflict model instrument and how others in the group want to respond to conflict situations. But these are some of the characters you might have sitting around the table. I'm sure any of you are really familiar with a few of these. So the first one is competing. So this is someone that's pretty assertive and uncooperative. Um, you know them, they want to one up the responses and they want to get a reaction. So they're there to argue, stand up, and they really want to win. The next one is accommodating. So this is someone who's the opposite, is very unassertive, cooperative, and they really want to have harmony and to appease others. So they will neglect coming to state their own opinions or thoughts just to make sure that there's a balance. So it's kind of like self-sacrificing in this way. And they think of it as being generous or charity or trying not to harm others, but they often don't get their own point of view out. Avoiding, we know those people, they're um, sometimes unassertive and uncooperative. The person in this group does not want to deal with the conflict and they don't step aside of the issue. So oftentimes this is a, not someone who's going to help you manage any conflict in the group and they really want to withdraw from any sort of threatening situation or conflict. Collaborating is that fourth person. They're both assertive and cooperative. So it's the complete opposite of avoiding. They want to help you work it out and get past this problem or issue. They want to work with others and find a solution that really satisfies all of them. And they are often encouraging other people to give insights and try to find a creative solution to tackle this interpersonal problem. And the last one is compromising. So uh, this is a moderate in both assertive and cooperativeness. You find the objective is to reach a mutual acceptable solution that partially satisfies all with giving up maybe a little bit of something they wanted. So this one will be exchanging concessions or seeking a middle ground to a solution. So someone who wants to bring people together to the middle point. So I put a link to uh, the Thomas Klingman conflict model instrument and, and their website. It's pretty interesting if you ever want to talk to your team about getting past a problem. But overall, this reminded me, it is really critical to establish roles, expectations, and how the group will function, uh, function for that process, meeting, and process. You want to give everyone a role and have a defined kind of responsibility so they can contribute to the team and getting through this process. This helps everyone um, lessen conflict and kind of tackle these dynamics proactively. So a few tools for facilitation, we know them all, right? So these are common ones, they're no brainers. Um, I was reading through a book I have, it's by Artie Mahal, Facilitators and Trainers Toolkit, um, specifically talking about some examples of 
what we might do, right? So they, he, he tosses in, obviously, brainstorming. We've talked about previously before. Uh, the affinity diagrams. So those are the ones about clustering those ideas into themes, if you're going to brainstorm. And the kind of analysis and action steps. So these often help people enable and get to their next point. And um, I think about all the ideas around um, just getting them together to apply and brainstorm and do this electronically or with paper is a great method. But really, some of the basic tools for facilitation are ones we know. Listen, we, you want to know that you understand the needs of the organization you're working with and that group, and you have all the information to get started. Another tool is agendas, so outlining the steps for the process and the procedures and what you'll do at that meeting. Um, opening discussions, so expectations, rules, participation guides, anything you need to, them to know ahead of the meeting so they know how they'll be contributing to discussions and participating with the team. The shared framework for understanding would define the needs of the group and goals of the session. And you want to have this essentially there so they know, well, what's the point and what are we reaching through this uh, process discussion. And you want everyone to see how it's going to go, how it's going to be governed, and it's transparent when the meeting actually happens. You also want to think about uh, summarizing. And as a facilitator, you really want to reframe and uh, restate ideas and maybe even validate others' opinions and bring down or tamp down any emotions might be that might come out of the conversations and get to what actually is shared, that information and that knowledge that's critical for making the decision they need to. Brainstorming, obviously, one that we always have all the time. Everyone's involved. They all get to contribute. Um, this is open. This lets them think about collaborative problem solving, and it gets them to focus on solutions and not just be tossing out their own idea or becoming defensive of other things that might appear. So this is open brainstorming. You want to, as a facilitator, get them to build agreement. And this is going to help you in the long run to reach that final outcome. And in this agreement, you want to touch on people's ideas and interests and develop those and say, it seems like you two have a common or shared idea. The consensus building then follows upon this. And as you gather viewpoints, discussions, um, persuade them to new ideas and have them reconsider some of these other concepts or interests that others share. Um, part of what a facilita facilitator does is do a little bit of that analysis and getting them to kind of support each other verbally as they talk about ideas and letting them know that you hear how some of these ideas connect and are the same and they're actually in agreement for a solution. And the last one is to gain closure. So you want to recap all the agreements, the outcomes, and the ideas, those action ideas for implementing this new solution. This is something that the team will agree to. There was a really good list of helpful ideas facilitators use, and we know them commonly, like uh, those are opening environments and making sure that all participants are um, praised or thanked for contributions. You also want to think about um, bringing ideas together, um, piggybacking an idea or question off one another and connecting the links that you might see. So you want to see who's participating and you want to also know that you're involving everyone who's maybe not drawn out of the this process to get them involved and invite them in. You want to give everyone opportunity to participate, but not force anyone to do so if they don't want to. And you want to be honest about what you know and don't know and acknowledge what is an opinion and what is fact. Um, and that will help them understand where they're at in, in that conversation. 
keeping the discussion flowing is really good to go. Um, if you see it getting um, to a certain point and you want to wrap it up to move on to a next, uh, to focus on a new point or a new idea in the agenda. So we talked about dysfunctional teams. We talked about tools for facilitating. The third area is storytelling. So an effective way to communicate and present information often happens when we narrate something, right? So it captures others' attention. Um, stories help us to establish a rapport, uh, come together and connect on a, a common idea, build credibility, and bring a team closer together. So examples could be having someone reflect on a past experience, an event, or what they were working on within their role and on that team. Um, you can also help them make meaning about an idea or concept by comparing what they're dealing with um, with something they could visualize and have an understanding for. And stories can send a key message and make a critical point. So if you have some data that you've collected and you want to identify what key things are really critical in this data, people often think about sharing that data and presenting it in a story-like fashion. The next area um, that I'll talk a little bit about is the questioning techniques. And unfortunately, it doesn't dive too deep into this uh, for performance improvements because in section three, that area of expertise training delivery, they're going to get more into that. So stay tuned. But essentially, you want to ask people in the meeting um, just to check for understanding, question the participants to make sure that they're involved, they understand, and they're also gaining consensus for ideas and considering about opening up concepts for brainstorming or offer potential other solutions. So this is just a checkpoint. This um, key area for, I think, any sort of facilitator's role is the meeting management. And we've talked a little about those, but simple ones are adopting ground rules and you want to identify issues. So things you're going to focus on for that initial part of a process or assessment. Uh, you want to record issues and that could be a flip chart whiteboard if you need it visually somewhere. It could be um, actually auto recording, or someone taking notes, digital notes that everyone could share, things like that. And in the meeting, you want to prioritize what the issues. So you may have already identified the issues and made sure that you reviewed and summarized them, but what's the priority and what needs to be dealt with first and put them in order. You want to get, get agreement, meaning that to identify and amplify any small agreements throughout the process will help build a bigger consensus towards the end. Um, really critical to everyone can share information and they're all contributing that everyone understands each other's perspectives and interests. You continue with that brainstorming idea, right? Opening up to other ideas and solutions and refining to evaluate options that are shared is really important. So maybe they've given a whole bunch of different things, but you notice there's a kind of a theme or trend in the ideas that have been tossed out and clustering those ideas into a specific category topic to define the points of agreement um, is really critical for any sort of facilitator. You always want to check and perform a reality check. Um, does this idea or tentative agreement and solution really get applied to the real world of work? And if it was implemented at work, would there be long-term success? So questioning the feasibility of a concept or idea would be really good before you reach the final agreement. And the last part of the meeting would be confirming the agreement. So um, for this kind of process solution and facilitation, uh, you really want to record agreement with a formal document. So some people do an actual sign something there, or after they've uh, had a summary of the meeting minutes, they may give it back out to the team and get approval or agreement either at the next meeting or um, on email or in some other way. 
The process improvement methodologies um, that this section talks about often forms from that gap analysis we did back and talked about in episode 1.3. So some of that, um, some of the components of process need to be given attention in this area and to conduct a process level gap analysis, which is specific to improving the way, the method that you do things, you're going to want to look at four basic components, the inputs, so all the individual items to perform the process. It might be materials, data, thing like that. The process controls, that's the information and physical controls to guide this process. And that's uh, maybe drawings, procedures, training, industry competition um, information, that sort of thing. The outputs, the intended or unintended uh, results of determining the process. So an example could be a customer complained in the store um, for how they were treated. So the result of this could be dealing with them um, in a different way by training or bringing skills to the frontline staff that manage that store. The resources are the equipment, systems, and human resources required to perform this process. This can be simply things like heating, water, electricity for the buildings to increasing staffing or getting the right kind of technology or computers there. So suggestions for getting through and going to process some of these are really helpful. Um, there are some in the book that I shared before, Facilitating with Ease, um, chapter nine has information around management of meetings. So Ben's offers that and I put a link into this episode as well. But process tools for facilitators, there are so many. We've touched on a few already, right? So we've talked about flow charts. Um, we've talked about problem solving or process improvement models. Um, so there's different tools that you can go through. And I like, she has a few of them in chapter 10. She talks about like the affinity diagrams and the gap analysis. So we've already talked about that a little bit. Um, and there are ways to kind of create a facilitated agenda to get people through. One that I like, besides the ones that you may have heard in previous episodes, is a gallery walk, or I call it a, um, I use it a lot in a lot of trainings and process meetings that I do um, when facilitating. It's kind of a, um, what I call a walkabout. And you might set up the room by putting like flip chart paper on the wall. There might be a series of eight or 10 of them. And each of the flip chart has, or electronic boards that you use have an idea, a prompt or question on there that you're gonna ask uh, team members in pairs or on their own to walk around and contribute to one or two idea in a few minutes. So in that you propose for them to write down whatever they think that prompt is asking them about or question wants them to give suggestions for. At the end of their one to two minutes or if you give them five minutes, they'll circle to another one and they'll keep moving around the room until they've already gone through one cycle or till the time runs out. And then you ask them to go back and just do a walkthrough, a gallery walkthrough like this one and ask them what they're thinking about. And so examples of them, um, people have put things like trends or competition or technology. Um, you might in the walk, second walk around, ask them for um, some analysis, like what, what's missing from that list, that brainstorm, or maybe some solutions, like what, what can you work on? So I really like that example. And I thought I'd share this around, share this with you from her book on facilitating with ease. So that was just one example I thought as I started thinking about more around the process designs. There's a number of process control systems and flowcharts and ways you can collect, organize, and report data and information. The other big area is process mapping. So this is 
steps involved in establishing something within a company. So this could be um, how do you come to the bank and how are you greeted or what are what are the different ways that you might interact with that bank. And some of the examples of things you might collect in mapping this could be a customer profile, the questions, um, maybe the application for an items or a sample loan files. Um, maybe there is a print ad for the, how they advertise this opportunity within the bank. So those are just a few to think about. I think a good pro tip that I read in this section was um, don't ask a question about uh, what do you think the cause is, but ask, is there a better way to do this? When thinking about processes or getting your kind of clients to visualize what they would do or what would be a successful new solution, get them to think about the what ifs. And if I could help this be better, what would that look like? Instead of telling me what the cause is. And I think you'll get a better idea or solution from them. The basic um, decision-making methods cycle we often see is the plan, do, check, act, or the Deming model is what it's called, or PDSA. This stands for plan, do, check, act. So PDCA or PDSA, I've given an example, an article from LucyChart that talks a little bit about how do you put this model into improving a business. And uh, you can read a little bit more around Deming's model. It is a cycle. So you're looking to determine the process or problem, figure out what the solution and action plans are for change, track and analyze and evaluate, and then act is do the next step and reflect on the lessons learned um, from this. So this next area of decision making methods and processes, you need an organized process to solve a problem, right? So any good facilitator will ensure that a team is following a specific agreed upon process for making a decision. This is a simple problem solving model. And any of those that you introduce to a team will be critical for you to have them available so they know what are the steps. So here are the six that they mentioned for the basic problem solving model. Step one, define the problem. No brainer on that one. Step two, research and analyze the problem. Step three, establish a checklist of criteria for use in evaluating possible solutions. Step four, list all possible alternatives. Step five, select the best alternative and discuss how to implement it. Step six, monitor implementation and modify if required. Interesting enough, I think a lot of people don't think about going through all six sections of this cycle and often forget the last two. It's looking at and discussing alternatives, reviewing it, reflection, required um, evaluation, and say, does this work? But really, you need some of that to make sure that you are doing the best solution implementation and not just putting a Band-Aid on it and having to deal with this possibly later. I really liked the suggestions and guidelines for creating the appropriate question to clarify the and define the problem, which is what you should do in step one. Uh, this comes from In Search of Solutions. I put a link to this book by Quinn Levin, Hall, and Renner. There's a free open access copy that you can take a look. But to clarify, you want to ask how. So questions that suggest a process. Where? Questions that indicate locations. Who? Questions identify the people involved. When? Questions point to time and what questions sort process and content. I have no doubt that we all know those basic questions to identify a problem, but often it can get left out if it's not thought about by the facilitator working with their client and that organization. I put a bonus link to just steps for decision-making process for you to look at too. Finally, let's look at group dynamics and what you can do to observe and support and have any interventions. 
Group dynamic is in the social sciences, and it's really important. They focus on the nature of groups, specifically urges to belong or to identify may impact attitudes and influence the group. This can help them become bonded or separate them further. You really want to observe the group that you're going to work with and facilitate because it's important for you to know what they are like and how they interact with each other. First key thing is to consider the ways facilitators use all three types of listening. The first one, get that. It was passive. It was one way. Just like you might do while listening to the radio, watching TV, or listening to music. Attentive is the second one. So there's some interaction with the speaker. So this could be in a meeting or where you're taking notes. You're listening in a course for content. Hey, maybe you're even taking notes for this podcast right now. That's attentive listening. And the third is active. So high levels of interaction the listener has with the speaker. You're really listening for meaning and feelings and understanding. And you're really getting to the root of it. You could be having the ability to ask a question and get clarification for anything that was said. There seems to be many more types of listening. So I did put a caveat in this show notes that um, it's just not identified in this section for the process facilitation part. Uh, the AT learning system did not have that, but I put a link to it if you want to check out the many, many ways you can listen. As a facilitator, you want to use um, questions and methods to shift conversations from any sort of transactional focus. If you notice the group's moving to what about me or this issue I have with my work to a more business focus and holistic perspective, you want to get the end goals for the organization and this process to focus on the whole team and the process they're going to work towards and not worry about individual stakeholders so much. Um, one way you could also do this, we've talked about this already in episode 1.5, is the nominal group technique. This is helps with any sort of process, speci specifically with decision making. So this exercise generates many ideas. So the nominal group technique lets the group um, share in all the ideas they want and everything's welcome. And then they let the group evaluate each of these ideas in kind of a round-robin approach. So you might go through and classify them first, and then you'll rank them of importance. And then the next round will identify critical suggestions of importance that you want to move on. Well, that's it for facilitation and methods, at least within performance improvement. I'm sure we'll talk more about facilitation and training and other topics to come, but I hope you've enjoyed this part of the pod. There's a little segment of facilitation methods focused on process, decision-making, and moving into performance improvement. Not only did this section have me go back to think about some of the courses I've taught on facilitation with technology or facilitating online, um, I think more about the ways that we can move people through any sort of problem they might have as a team, and that's through effective decision-making tools and process tools that help facilitate and guide teams to get from the problem to their end solution and agreement.
Thanks for listening to the Learn Perform Mixtape. If you're liking this podcast, subscribe, tell a friend, give me a like, and give me a review. If you're studying for the CPLP or you have already, let me know. I'd love to chat and I'd love to get your advice. Comments, questions, thoughts, and love are always welcome. And I have my details in every episode notes. So please reach out. Let's connect.